Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Lifestyle with Dr. Moby. I'm Dr. Moby, and today we are honored with great guest, Mike Lemel, right? How do you say? I am Ellie. We got pretty close. I am Ellie. Thanks for having me. I'm Ellie. Okay, yeah. And Mike is known for accidentally coming out to millions in a viral article about rethinking sexuality in his first uh, same-sex relationship, right? I am, yep. That, uh, that happened. It was overwhelming. Okay, and you are author of Enough Already, and you created uh, success on your own terms. Yep, yeah. I wrote that book uh, like seven years ago, I think. Okay, and uh, so let's talk about, uh, you know, uh, all these and uh, go one by one. Tell me about yours. Yeah, so uh, I guess the first thing you should know about me is I'm aligned, zany, free, unmistakable, successful, and vulnerable. I know that probably means nothing to you at this point, but hopefully it will in a little bit. Um, you know, early in life, I had a lot of successful experiences. So when I was 22, I started a public relations firm with a bunch of healthcare executives. Um, we worked with a lot of celebrities, you know, tech billionaires, healthcare politicians, people like that. And then a few years later, while I was working at that company, I woke up and I was vomiting blood. And that didn't stop for a few months. And so you can imagine this was kind of terrifying. Um, I was vomiting blood pretty much every day. I didn't know what was wrong with me. Um, I went to the hospital a few times to get fluids. I had been diagnosed with a few things based on um, my pancreatic enzyme levels. I was diagnosed with something based on, you know, um, other inflammatory markers. I was based on something. But um, I didn't really know what was wrong with me. And I kind of thought I was going to die. Like there was a time where I went into work and I realized I had to go to the bathroom. So I went to go to the bathroom and I didn't make it in time. And I had an accident. I shit my pants at work. And it was by far the most mortifying thing to happen to me as an adult. And at that point I realized I need to do something about this. Like I just need to try everything. I was at acupuncture, reflexology, Reiki, like you name it every day of the week. I was at something trying to get better. And I wrote handwritten letters to every member of my family, telling them everything I've never said to them. So anytime that they hurt me, anytime I wanted to apologize for hurting them, I just put it all out there. And while all this was going on, I had two roommates. One roommate was uh, someone who was not around very often because she had a boyfriend. And the other roommate was a guy I knew from college, but we weren't, you know, we were friends, but we weren't like super, super close. Mm -hmm. And just by default, this guy I knew from college, um, he was home, so he had to take care of me. And he was also on residency. He was a medical professional. And so he kind of knew ins and outs and would drive me. I couldn't drive myself to appointments. Right. And about two months into this process of him, you know, driving me to appointments, cooking me dinner, I realized I started to feel something for him. Mm -hmm. And this felt weird because at the time I had never been with a man, to my conscious knowledge, never been interested in a man. And, you know, part of me thought like, am I just scared I'm going to die? And this is like a human within proximity. And, you know, there you go. So I didn't really know what to think of this. And I probably at any other point in my life would have just said like, brush it under the rug. It's not a big deal. You're just in a weird state in your life. But because I had been writing these handwritten letters to, you know, family and saying everything I've never said, I thought, if I did die tomorrow, like I have to just say something. Like I'm in this mode, I can't hold anything in. I'm vomiting blood, so clearly stuff is trying to come up. Um, and so I just one day said to him, you know, Garrett, that's his name, Garrett. Um, you might want to punch me in the face. 
I have no idea how you're going to react to this, but I feel something. It doesn't feel sexual or romantic, but it feels like something. And I, I just want to be honest about it. And I'm really fortunate that Garrett is probably one of the most thoughtful people in the world. So Garrett said, you know, okay, let me sit with this. Let me think about this for a moment. And I think if you said anything to Garrett, he would say that is his reaction. So he thought about it for a few days and he sent me an email back and I sent him an email and we talked about it over the course of two months and we decided to explore if a relationship can work. And we weren't comfortable with um, intimacy. You know, we for a year dated women while we dated one another and explored if we could be intimate. I remember people always like to ask me, you know, oh, I bet the first time you kissed, it was so like magical and natural. No, it was the most unnatural thing I'd ever experienced. You know, I had never felt facial hair while kissing somebody before. And so this was a really strange experience for me. And while I was kind of um, in the midst of this, exploring this, we weren't comfortable telling a lot of people because I was still sick. We didn't know, you know, if I got better, if things were going to change, if this was just like a temporary thing. But I knew I needed to leave my job because if I'm getting this sick, something's wrong. I need to leave my job. And so I gave a year's notice at work. Now, for anybody listening, I never recommend you do that. But, you know, I was an owner of this company. So I thought I've got to give, you know, some notice. So I gave a year's notice and I figured we'll restructure the company. We'll put them in a good place and I can figure out my next move. And so I did a whole bunch of things. I went to herbal school. I went to nutrition school. I was going to multiple schools full time, working full time, navigating my first same sex relationship, healing myself. It was the worst year of my life. But I got through that. And, you know, it just so happened that in December was when I left my job. That was about the same time that um, Garrett and I were planning on telling people, planning on telling our parents about our relationship. We had been together about a year and a half or two years. And we were serious now. We moved in together. And so, you know, we told some people in our lives, um, I started this new job being a herbalist and health coach to Boston's entrepreneurs. And I didn't love it. it wasn't my passion. I, I wasn't making a lot of money. And I thought, well, crap. Like, I just went all in on this thing. I left a very you know, well-paid job. I, I've got to make something work. And so I decided, you know what? I've always been a writer. I'm going to write. I have some stories to share. Now, I wasn't ready to talk about my relationship just yet. But I had, you know, I was very successful at a young age. I got really sick. I redefined success. I thought, okay, I can blog about these topics. And I did stop blogging about them. And my blog got a little bit popular. And so about three months later, I got an email one day and a publisher said, well, can we just give you a book deal? Like, I like your voice. I think that it's an important voice. And so I'm sitting there like, does this happen? Like people just get drop book deals in the lab. Like, okay, yeah, if you want to give me a book deal and pay me, I will take this. And I thought this has got to be my purpose, right? Like they always say when you're on your path, the universe just hands you things on a silver platter. This has got to be my silver platter. This is just given to me. Okay, this is it. So I write this book. And as part of the book, um, the publisher asked me to talk about my relationship. And she was really coaching me through it. And I said, okay, I'm going to talk about that experience. And I have some time to figure out how I'm going to tell people. And then I turned in the manuscript and I thought, oh, crap. Like, I have to tell people in my life about this. You know, my parents know and a few close friends, but not a lot of people know. They can't find out on the shelves of Barnes & Noble. Like, I need to tell people that I'm in this relationship. And so I wrote a article and I said, okay, this is the best way to do it because I can just write a post, um, have everyone talk behind my back. 
I don't have to be involved. And then they can come talk to me later. And I don't have to answer all their questions right away. And so I write this post and I went to bed that night and I woke up the next morning and a hundred thousand people had shared it. So this was the most overwhelming experience of my life. Um, you know, I can't tell you what it's like to wake up to millions of people talking about your sex life, but it's, it's uncomfortable. Um, I had phone calls from NPR, from Huffington Post, from Yahoo News, from a whole bunch of different places wanting to talk to me about this. And a lot of people were asking me to defend my sexuality when, quite frankly, I didn't know what it was. I had no idea what was going on. I knew I was in love with somebody and we were making a relationship work. And that's really all that was happening here. And so all this is going on. And I thought like, I'm such a failure. I'm a mess because I like, yeah, I have this book deal coming out. I have millions of people talking about me, but I'm making zero dollars. I have no business model. I've thrown them all away. I've got no plan. And I felt like such a failure that I decided to become obsessed with life purpose, like obsessed. I mean, if there is a life purpose book out there or a webinar, I have done it. I promise you. I have heard so many times in my life, you will know your purpose by the end of these 60 minutes. Almost never happens, but I've heard it many, many times in my life. And so I said, okay, okay, like, let me figure this out. And you do enough of this stuff, you hear the same things. People say, you know, figure out your passions, figure out your skills, figure out what the world needs, find that middle point. So I said, okay, okay. What do these things have in common? You know, blogging and same-sex relationship and PR and branding and sickness and health coaching and herbalism and viral article. This doesn't make any sense. And I really sat with this for days. And I said, oh my God, it's obvious. I get it now. I'm meant to create a blogging course. I'm going to teach people how to blog. Yeah, sure, get book deals, but also find their voice, know their story. It's going to be deep. It's going to be spiritual. I finally get how it all connects. So at this point in my life, I had almost no money left, right? Like it's been a year now. I've spent everything. I'm, you know, have very little money, but I thought all these courses are telling me I have to go pro. I've just got to go for it if I know my purpose. And I thought, okay. So I get the fancy lighting kit. I got a business partner, a web designer, a microphone, like you name it. I put all this thousands of dollars into this thing, put it out into the world. I knew this was going to take off. I finally had my purpose. And I think five people bought it. It was a colossal failure. I was in debt and I thought, I'm done. I am done. That's it. I'm, I'm packing it up. I am going to go beg my partners to take me back. I don't know if I have a job at my own company, but beg them to take me back because I got nothing left. And um, that's it. I can't, I can't keep going. But there was a part of me that just felt really angry because I felt like I did things. Like I took risks. I went for love. I got this book deal. I had millions talking about my sex life, which was very uncomfortable. Um, that's going to be celebrated. Like, yeah, I failed, but at least I did something that warranted failure. Like at least I took a risk. And so I decided to host what I called a failure celebration. And the thinking around that was really like, yeah, I'm such a failure, but at least I took a risk. So let me celebrate failure for a moment because failure implies taking a risk. And what I did was I took the one thing I was still confident in, which is branding and public relations. And I said, okay, I'm just going to give this away for free. Like I'm going to try to help as many people be successful as possible because I'm not successful, but maybe you can be. And so I went into a Facebook group I was a part of, and I offered them as many branding sessions as I could fit. And this was just branding work I'd done, public relations. I just kind of map their um, products, their offerings. And I tell them kind of what the common thread is, what's their brand. 
And so I'm used to working with, like I said, a lot of like celebrities and tech billionaires and healthcare politicians. And a lot of these people were, you know, holistic doctors and artists and life coaches and psychics, healers, all types of cool people. And so we did these sessions and every single one of them said to me some variation of, you know, Mike, this isn't branding. Like you just told me my life purpose. So I'm sitting there like, what the, what? (laughs) Okay. I don't know what you're talking about. That's great. And so I thought, you know what? I'm just going to do this on myself. Like I'm done at this point. And so I did this process. I just did the mapping that I did with them. And I came out with six words. And those six words are aligned, zany, free, unmistakable, successful, and vulnerable. And there was just this light bulb moment where it was like, oh my God, like I've never been that safe to be vulnerable with Garrett. I've never felt like I literally can't make a mistake. And in public relations, I see why this was successful, but not fulfilling. I see these parts of it, but not these. And with this relationship over here, I see why that failed and why this, and it just started clicking to me that anytime I've ever felt all those six words at the same time, I've always been successful and fulfilled. Anytime I haven't, I haven't been. And it was like, I had this little map. And so I'm sitting there kind of having my mini epiphany and I get an email. I check my email and a, one of the women I worked with that day, she said to me, Hey Mike, um, my friend's really like into this. I was raving about you. She wants to buy this. Do you sell it? What do you call it? I don't know. I mean, it's branding. You're claiming to me it's life purpose. So it's sacred, I guess. I'll call it sacred branding. Made up that term, didn't think much of it, slapped it on. It was only going to be for a day, so it didn't matter. Um, This woman paid me. I don't think I even had a website. I think she had to like transfer me PayPal money at this point because I didn't have anything set up for this. And I had one client. And then the next day, she told two more people. I had two more clients. And uh, three weeks later, I had 30 clients. And that was seven and a half years ago. And so I haven't looked back. I've been doing this work continuously. I never ended up leaving. Wow. Very amazing story. Yeah, and the way you say it uh, explains all. Uh, so so tell me a little bit about, um, you know, that's more about branding or is it about uh, finding yourself or is it about... Yeah, so all of the above. You know, I think that one thing that we understand is branding as we've come to know it today is very objectifying. So that word brand, I mean, it literally means to burn. And we know that, right? Like you burn cattle, right? That's when we branded, you know, human beings during the Holocaust were burned. Like this is what that word means. It means to be reduced to an object or to a number. And, you know, we can say, Mike, that's provocative. That's dramatic today. But the truth is I work with a lot of people who say to me, you know what? Like this brand on my website is this bubbly life coach. And I don't know how to talk about my divorce. Or this brand, you know, people feel so limited by it. And one thing I think about is we already have a subjective brand, right? Every single one of us. I mean, I'm a brand of a friend. I have a brand in how I'm a friend, how I show up on interviews, how I have sex, how I hang out and get dressed in the day. Like there's some essence about me. There's something about me that's uniquely me that someone can say, can't quite put their finger on it, but they know how to buy me a birthday gift, right? They say, no, that's not Mike's style. Yeah, that's Mike's style. So they're feeling a brand, they're feeling an essence, even if they don't always know how to articulate it. And so when I began to understand this, what I realized is, you know, we talk about life purpose, like it is an achievement or it's aspirational. So people will always say to me like, oh, Mike, I get it. My purpose is to write a book. And I always say that is fantastic. But here's the thing. If you can achieve it, that means you can also fail it. And how does that make sense? How could you fail your purpose? And furthermore, if you achieve it, that implies you didn't have it at a certain point. So did you just not have a purpose as a baby? That doesn't make sense either. 
what you did have as a baby way before you even knew a word was sensitivities. You were sensitive to something. Some babies are sensitive to freedom and they just feel trapped in that swaddle and they want to get out. Some babies are sensitive to connection and they look their moms in the eyes and they cry when they don't see their moms, right? Every single human being is sensitive to some things. And those sensitivities stay consistent as we get older. We feel things deeper there. So we're going to have more trauma around those because we feel it deeper. But we're also going to have more gifts. We're going to have more desires and yearnings around that. We're going to be naturally drawn to things that make us feel that. Our most successful, fulfilling relationships are going to make us feel that. And the ones that aren't, aren't going to make us feel like that. And what's really cool is when we start looking at all the stories of our lives, we can map those things. And what we're doing when I'm talking about mapping sensitivities is we're mapping it in your language. Like, I don't care if your words are Sally, Bob, and Jim. I could not care less because every human has different connotations, different relationships to language. And so, you know, I get frustrated with personality tests because I love personality tests, but I don't know what like intuitive means in this language and sensing and extrovert in this language. Like, that's not my language. That's not how I relate to language. But when I understand what vulnerable means to me, that makes sense. And so what we're really doing is, yes, people, I work with a lot of actors, you know, um, entrepreneurs, healers, a whole bunch of different industries where people use this to absolutely do business stuff. Sure, you can use it for that beautifully, but even more so, it's going to give you the insights to why you'll be successful there in business, why this relationship will be successful. You know, my favorite way to use it is I get in a fight with my husband. doesn't happen often, but let's say we get in a fight. And um, here's a good example of a fight. Let's pretend I'm saying something really, you know, deep and personal and he's looking down at his phone, right? Oh boy, okay. And I'm gonna start yelling like, how dare you look at your phone? And now we'll start fighting about how often he's on his phone, which he isn't even on his phone very often, but it's not about the phone, right? So what I do instead now, thankfully I've done this work long enough. It took me long enough. I stop and I say, okay, what's being triggered here? Aligned, zany, free, vulnerable. That's being triggered here. And I just stop myself and I say, Garrett, I'm feeling really vulnerable right now because, you know, I feel like I just shared something. I feel very exposed and ashamed and you're not giving me the validation that I need. So what I need from you is this. It changes the conversation immediately because I'm clear on exactly which sensitivity is triggered and what I need to be able to shift the situation. And when you say Zany, what does that mean? To me, Zany is... You know, th this is a word that comes from Italian, and it's really um, one of the predecessors to the clown. So in Commedia dell'arte, the Italian art form, um, Zanni was where we get the word Zanni, was um, a clown, foolish, goofy, playful. Zanni, just like a clown today, could break the fourth wall. So whereas no other character could talk straight to the audience, Zanni could. And what's beautiful about the zany energy, as I've come to understand it, is it's goofy and it's playful and it's silly. And secretly, you're giving people spiritual wisdom that they don't realize that they're getting. And that has explained so much of my life. But on um, a superficial level, it just means goofy, playful, silly. That's nice. Uh, also, tell me a little bit about uh, with COVID, you know, how things have, has it affected you in, in your business or dealings or yeah, you know, um, yes and no. I think that I've been working virtually for, you know, now most of my career. So I've been working um, even in public relations. I did a lot virtually. So for over a decade now, I've been virtual. I'm pretty comfortable with it. Um, and I don't really see many clients in person at all. So it hasn't affected me in that way. My husband, like I mentioned, Garrett, is in the healthcare field. And that has affected him tremendously. Um, 
you know, he, for a certain point, had an outdoor drive through clinic. He um, now does have in-person clinic days, but he's also doing televisits because, of course, insurers are hip to the fact that, like, televisits aren't as bad as they thought and they want to stop paying for it. So he's mandatory doing televisits um, one day or was two day weeks. Now it's one day. So that's impacted my life because I'm not used to having him home while I'm working all day. And, you know, I have had a lot of clients who have concerns with their businesses or fears come up. And so it's definitely impacted the work I'm doing with clients. But overall, I'm grateful that I'm able to do my work from home. So it hasn't impacted me too badly. Yeah, well, the reason is, you know, I'm asking is, uh, yes, it affects both ways. It is affecting a lot of people with work, also affecting their, you know, their life. Because, like you said, not used to being at home with uh, your husband or wife. And then you have that and then the, the dynamics can change for, you know, whatever reason, right? Yeah, you know, I, I'm fortunate that our dynamics, you know, I mean, certainly there's some challenges, you know, in coordinating schedules, but I'm fortunate that we, you know, have had not many, if at all, blowout fights, no real, I mean, I'm really fortunate that over the years, just from maybe some of the work that we do, Garrett and I don't fight very often, which I feel very blessed about. And so, um, you know, I know other friends and other relationships have maybe been tested. Certainly, if you throw kids into the mix, it gets more complicated today. And we don't have kids right now, so I honor that. But, um, yes, I feel fortunate with the situation we've been in. Okay. And, you know, I know there was a joke recently, and this is joke. This is not reality. So somebody wrote that, you know, Bill Gates was having great time, great uh, family life for many years till COVID hit, and now they, he was homebound. And sure. that, that created the divorce. <laughs> I mean, sure, sure. Well, I mean, of, of course, right. That's just a joke. But I do think, you know, people, you know, tensions run high. And I, I understand it that, you know, I mean, I think we're very fortunate also in that um, the hospital Garrett works at is a seven minute walk from our home. So we are used to being around each other quite a bit. He doesn't really have commute. I work from home. Um, you know, I we hang out together all weekend long. So I think for me, there was probably less of adjustment than maybe for other people. Hmm. Okay. And so what is the future holds for you? Where do you see yourself? Yeah, lots of things, hopefully. Hopefully a long future. Um, one thing I'm really excited about is adapting my work for children. And that's something that I've been exploring just slightly. So, um, you know, I've only been playing with people in my life, you know, uh, my nieces, you know, family, friends, people like that. And I found, you know, for me to really map someone's sensitivities, it takes me two and a half hours. I'm not going to have a kid's attention for two and a half hours. So I've had to learn how to adapt that for about 20 minutes and bring in a whole bunch of Disney characters. But what excites me about this is that um, a few years ago, I did my first session with my niece and she was six at the time. And one of her sensitivities was quiet. I didn't think much of it. I thought, interesting. Okay. She went off in her merry way. And I called them superpowers for her just because I thought she would understand that. And so about a month later, I got a phone call from my mom. And my mom said, you will never believe what happened today. So, okay, what happened? And she said, well, my niece was at kindergarten and a little girl was bullying her and picking on her and saying, you know, you are awkward and you're shy and something is wrong with you. And she turned around to this little girl and she said, no, you know, my uncle told me that one of my superpowers is quiet. That's what makes me so special in the world. And I bet, you know, you have superpowers too. If you just went to my uncle, he would tell you your superpowers. 
And I just thought how miraculous that, you know, at that age to really own and claim who you are and not be ashamed of it. And even to recognize that this little girl is probably being insecure and she has superpowers too. And, you know, I really have thought about how amazing that would be to bring that into after school programs or be able to help children think about their, what they're feeling and get in touch with their feelings a little more. And so one of my sisters um, does quite a bit of work in the Charleston public school system. And so hopefully one day we are bringing it some after school programs. Yeah, that would be nice. Uh, you know, I think and uh, any special plan or things you think uh, can help uh, people with COVID relationship? Sure. Yeah. With relationships specifically, you know, I think that um, I'm always going to say, you know, map your sensitivities. I have a little worksheet on our website if you want at mikeimle.com slash map, M-A-P, because that is my way that's always, always helped people. But, you know, even beyond that, beyond knowing your sensitivities, you know, I think it's just communication is the key for everything. So, you know, not being afraid to be really honest. And there are times where I, if I'm in a fight with my husband, um, again, doesn't happen too often, knock on wood, I'm talking about a lot today, um, but let's say I am, I will say things like, you know what, Garrett, I need space. I'm going to the bedroom. You know, please leave me alone. But if you don't check on me in five minutes, I'll be even more mad. And so just being radically honest like that is so helpful to ask for space when we need it. And also ask for the fact that like, we might pretend we want space, but also we want attention too. And it's okay to want those things. Like we're all humans. We all have, you know, emotions. Shaming ourselves doesn't help, but understanding and communicating does. And so I think just real brutal honesty and vulnerability is always my policy. And I think it can really help a lot of people. Well, and also I want to ask, uh, you know, what is more uh, fulfilling, uh, whether to love somebody or be loved? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I ideally both, but you know, I think that, um, yeah, I mean, I think that for me, probably both because, uh, maybe at a different time in my life, I would have been more fulfilled loving somebody else, but I think I've really stepped into and learning, you know, self-love and allowing myself to be loved as well. And so, um, I mean, ideally we want relationships that are reciprocal, right? We want everything in life to feel super fulfilling for us. Great. Well, it was a pleasure talking to you, and I never felt these past 26 minutes already. So uh, it was great. And so any final thoughts or final message you have for our audience? Yeah, you know, one of the things I really love saying is you never have to try to be yourself. If you're trying, it means you're being somebody else. And that's been such a powerful message for me because I think for so much of my life, I you know, thought like I have to change my body or change this or be more confident and outgoing in this situation. And then I think about having coffee with a best friend and hours fly by and genius just spills out of me. And I don't think, I don't try, it just happens. And I think you know, that's why I do the work I do because I want everyone to know what is that formula? Like, what are you doing there that is so natural and so successful? And how do we replicate that? How do we make your relationship feel that way? Your friendships, your interviews, when you're an interview, you know, your job, your whatever. You don't have to try to be yourself. If you're trying, it means you're being somebody else. And so I want us to all live a life that just feels natural to us. Yeah, that is true. That's right. You see, our interview, there was no script, nothing. Mm -hmm. We just natural. Okay, great. Uh, thank you for uh, watching our show. And, you know, everybody make sure, you know, love is universal language. Just love, spread the love. Spread the love. Be loved or love someone. But spread the love. It's important. 
and that is i think the main message for this and especially with covid you know a lot of people have a lot of stresses and if we can even give a little bit love to nearby neighbors or friends or even have somebody uh, like mike said you know if somebody is upset check on them <laughs> you know mm -hmm. that will be more upset if you don't and like he's that uh, he's really giving a great tip here so stay healthy and take care of each other take care thank you thank you